Hey, Chad here, co-host of The Hillbilly and the Hipster. Tis the season to be giving, and what better way to show your loved ones you care than with a gift from St. Galgano Armory. St. Galgano Armory is a veteran-owned company that produces blacksmith merchandise that is both unique and meaningful. Everything is forged with the highest quality materials and craftsmanship. St. Galgano Armory's products are the perfect gift for the someone in your life who has everything. This Christmas, give the gift that will last a lifetime, a piece of St. Galgano Armory's handcrafted blacksmith merchandise, and yes, Andy, blacksmith apparel. And with every purchase, you're giving back to the community. A portion of every sale goes to a biblically-based nonprofit that helps those in need. So this Christmas, make your gift-giving truly special with St. Galgano Armory. Visit St. Galgano Armory online today at stgalganoarmory.etsy.com. St. Galgano Armory, where faith meets forge. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. Uh, my name is Chad McCool. I had to think about that for a second. My name is Chad McCool, and I am joined, as always, in studio with my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, what's going on in Kentucky, brother? Who put a question mark on the teleprompter? You know he'll read anything. I am Joe Biden. You stick it in front I... of me, I will read it. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, man, it is uh it's crazy here. Uh so it's it's the first week back from vacation. It's been a crazy week at work and at home. Um and then on top of all the normal craziness, um we've had four seasons in a day for the last week where I wake up freezing and wear layers so I can come home and put shorts on in the afternoon. So that's good. I've had fake sickness going through my house. I had the uh, the first grade flu. Um, the 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 ever the ever elusive four hour stomach virus that never amounts to anything. The when he found out that he couldn't have video games and fun stuff, it's when I picked him up. He was like, "Oh well, can I just stay at school?" No, we we are past that. All of a sudden, he met Benny Hinn, and he dropped to the floor. And he's he like, did. Oh, he just, I'm healed. Jesus, I'm healed. He hit me with his jacket, and it's all over now. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's 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 nuts. It's and it's it, nuts. It's, it's Christmas time now. Is now it is Christmas? It, I'm glad that I had your permission to listen to Christmas music and have my Christmas decorations up. I, I haven't put any you. decorations up at work yet. Um, I need to go find a wreath or if I can, if, if I thought I could get away with it, I would put Christmas lights up in my office. Um, but I think that's, I don't know that one, there's an epileptic issue that I'd be worried somebody bust out a seizure. <laughs> uh, and two, my, uh, my clients can't have that kind of stuff in their yard. So I don't know if it's fair that I have in my office. <laughs> so really they can't have Christmas decorations in their yard. Uh-uh. Halloween, wow. Christmas, anything like that. It's uh, you know, it's a good time. Decisions. Yeah, I, I forgot that as we're recording this, it is the end of November, and I left my 
my diehard Nakatomi Plaza advent calendar in my office at church, so I have to go I, and get it. I've seen pictures of them like online. I still haven't seen yours. Oh, that's I'll send you a picture tomorrow. It's basically I'll have to... Gruber falling every day. You get him closer to the bottom because everybody knows it's not Christmas still. Hans Gruber smacks the plaza. <clears throat> so I am, I don't know how good of a show this is that I'm admitting that I'm watching right now, but I'm going back and watching the Brooklyn Nine-Nine series. Mm-hmm. Which Die Hard's a huge undertow in that. Yeah, so uh, I just watched the Christmas episode where Andy Samberg's character forgot to buy his best friend a Christmas gift, and so they go to the store, um, and his friend is helping pick out the gift because he thinks it's for the Andy's girlfriend and uh, all of a sudden the story gets taken hostage and he's like this is my real life diehard moment and like <laughs> he, he's going around trying to figure out how many bad guys there are and he's like you will be Hans is he marking just, it? yeah he's marking them on his on his arm it's uh, it's probably one of the better episodes I've seen that would be a that'd be a good experience to have. I I will admit somewhere I'll have to dig it up. I have a picture of me at Nakatomi Plaza, the actual building they used in L.A. Oh really? Yeah. Was Carl Winslow there? <laughs> no, it was just me. I uh, I know that you may say that Bruce Willis is probably the hero of Die Hard, but uh, Carl Winslow, no. the 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 hero of Die Hard's Argyle. Nope, nope. It's totally Carl Winslow. I mean, I think it messed him up so bad that he had to, because, you know, in my head, in the cinematic universe, everything is connected. So that situation, that situation messed Carl Winslow up so bad he left L.A., went and found Mrs. Winslow and started a whole new life, but still was a cop. He left his pregnant wife? Left his pregnant wife. Yep. That's see Judy. If you watch the first couple seasons of Family Matters, there's a third. There's Eddie, Laura, and I think her name is Judy. See, I've never watched Family Matters, so oh, it's such a good show. I highly recommend it. Um, but there's a third daughter, and then like the second or third season, she's just not there. They didn't kill her off. They just wrote her out like she never existed, and so now. That's like sitcom, like folklore, like even on Happy Days, like Rick oh yeah, no, I, it's a thing. Yeah. But uh, I'm starting to realize that that's really his daughter from the pregnant lady, his pregnant <laughs> wife, and so she just had to go back. Mom got custody of her, so she comes to visit. So she came to visit that first season, realized she didn't like the, she didn't didn't like the Chicago weather, and so she just you know they talk on the phone every so often. And then she just calls her dad every once in a while and she's like, hey, come out. To I mean, the I still don't know how he has. I still don't know how he, that was the youngest of his kids, but <laughs> in my head, it makes sense. It's the magic of Hollywood. You know, I, I know this is a rabbit trail, but I don't think this was on an app. I think this was a conversation we had. I, I think you quoted Anchorman. Oh, when I went to San Diego, you quoted Anchorman and I said, I didn't know what that was. And you were mm-hmm. like, how can we be friends? Because we didn't want because I never watched Anchorman. And I realized that the 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 age gap we have changes that. Because if I was your age, I probably would have watched Anchorman. But for me, like your Anchorman is my Clerks, and you would have watched you'd watch Clerks and you're like, what kind of Gen X nonsense is this garbage? 
So I've seen Clerks. Um, and for all the prudish listeners that we might have, not I don't oh, think don't we have many. Clerks. Don't watch but, Clerks. But if you are a prude, uh, earmuffs, please. No, no, no. Pastor, um, don't watch Clerks. I was never sober when I watched Clerks. Oh, I was. Um, I I had probably partaken of the ganja, if you will. Whoa, but, this is apparently we were going to talk about Advent, but this is the confessional episode. All right, let's go. <laughs> I never claimed to be a good person before Christ. Let's just well, let's share let's that. share that. that. The I'm still not the a gospel. still not a good person, but no. But the beauty of the gospel is right. God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And that's hope right there, folks. That's the episode. I am the crookedest of sticks. So also, um, you you have a lady in your church that is a faithful listener, from what I understand. And uh (laughs) she's on the road. And so well, she she was questioning if she will be. Right. And so so she's she's been asking when we're putting out our next episode. And so (laughs) So I think She's not as aggressive, maybe, as uh, Keith in Appalachistan with the gifts. So, Melinda, you need to up your gift game if you want to get an episode for your drive home. Oh, but now that we're name dropping, Melinda, <laughs> I might be more apt to uh, to put out more episodes if I were to get a quilt or a pie, okay? That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you could hook... Past- it's for pastor appreciation. I'm stuff. a pastor, too. Melinda, keep the car straight. Stay out of the ditch <laughs> while, while you're laughing or being mortified or both simultaneously. Oh, golly. We just maybe lost the listener. Nah. Anyway, we'll get back on topic to Die Hard and Family Matters. Die Hard. So, Die Hard, I bought tickets today. They are re releasing Die Hard for one week on the big screen. And I'm ashamed, but I'm just going to say it. I watched Die Hard on the big screen when it was released. And math is hard. I don't, yes, because I'm old. But I am going to see Die Hard December 10th at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I am going uh, to yell out lines. What was, is that like 40 years ago, wasn't it? No, it was less than that. It's probably around (laughs) 35. I was close. I was close. Oh, man. We do have an age gap. I forget about that because we're both idiots. That tells me I should hang out with Rob more than you. That's a valid point. Although I don't know how much you and Bobbert have in common. (laughs) Oh, oh, speaking of Bobbert, and really has nothing to do with Bobbert, mom. Did I I, I say? We have to say that Bobbert is, he's. It's a it's a name Andy has for his stepfather. Not he's not uh, name dropping Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman from Southern. Oh Canada. no, I didn't even put that together. No, my dad type person. His name is Robert, um, and so we have me and my sister um, have affectionately called him Bobbert the whole time we've known him. Um. Also, like mom, at one point, mom was like, "Are you gonna call him dad?" And I was like, "He's not my dad." So no, because you know I was that bratty teenager. So when I didn't refer to him as my mom's husband or my mom's boyfriend, um, we we referred to him as my dad type person. <laughs> I don't know if he ever appreciated that, but that stuck for however many years they've been together. So. 
But anyway, so, I digress. My, my one stepson uh, calls me stepchad. Stepchad? Yes. That's phenomenal. Um, but with uh, with regards to mom, um, her recovery is is going real well. I think I sent you the video mm-hmm. of her walking the other day. Yeah, it was so great she, to see. She was able to to get up and walk a pretty good distance, actually. For if you if you consider the time frame that we're in. Oh, absolutely. Um, but not only that, she was able to stand at the sink and brush her teeth and and some stuff like that. So. Uh, so we're does making steps, listen? man. Does your mom listen? No, but she's demanding a t-shirt. Because I was going to make a joke. I was like, it's about time you brushed your teeth. <laughs> look, she came into the office not too long ago, and they were like, look, you could wheel yourself behind your desk and start scanning stuff. What are you doing? I, I bet she would. Oh, she's ready to come back, but the doctors and I won't let her. Jokes on her, the state's taking her computer and giving it to the new guy, and they're going to give her a different one when she comes back. But because she's always like, Bring me my computer, I'll work from home. You don't have a computer now, mom. Sorry, it's gone. Oh, but anyway, anyway, so that's that's exciting. I'm pretty pumped to, to well, watch her. Send you a, I will send you a t shirt for Mama Crow, and I'm Melinda's getting a t-shirt too. And if you want a t-shirt, hashtag dumpster fire on on the uh what is it, the former bird app. And, X, uh, is that what we're calling it now? Yes, whatever it's called. I don't know, or you know that since, social media site. Since Elon I will Musk say um first off all his sponsors that might not be existing anymore. Who knows? I will say um Brandon Ligon, I'm gonna go ahead and name drop. He's been we friend of the show. Listeners. Yeah, he's been friend of the show for a while. He's actually, you know, we went to school together. Um, he he won the drawing for the uh, bottle opener. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to check. So, uh, way to go, Chad. This I'm is producer. Yeah. I am producer extraordinaire. So, yep, I will. Uh, I got to get with Brandon to get some information so I can send him some stuff. Well, get a shirt size. Up. We'll. I'll send you a bunch of shirts. We'll get them a shirt. Okay. So, yep. So, um, as soon as I get around to remembering where the post office is, um, which is right <laughs> by my office, um, I will, I'll mail you some, some, uh, blacksmith merchandise and, uh, some and dumpster some fire and some dumpster apparel. fire, dumpster fire apparel. I think our next set of shirts we should have on the sleeve. So you have the logo and everything on the chest like we do. And then on the sleeve, we have a dumpster that's on fire. So I'm going to rabbit trail. And I know this is off our thing. Do you know what Timu is? Yeah, I've heard about it. So I don't know a lot. It's this app and they just sell everything under the sun. And it's absolutely ridiculous prices. Like you could put it in your cart and you'd be like, I'm going to wait three days. And they're all of a sudden it was like $40. And they're like, Hey, you could have this for nine cents. Like literally, I bought a chess set that was supposed to be like fifty bucks. I got for like seven dollars, and I got like, I got a knife and a. Is it a legit site though? It's a legit site. I think I what I honestly think it is is that a lot of it's probably either private label, like so, or sort of the way like TG Ma- TJ Maxx and those stores work, like uh, you know, overstocks, okay. or. Or it's stuff they make for 
for brands and they don't put the labels on it when it comes to clothing. But um, so I was looking one day because they seem to have everything under the sun and I was looking for some dumpster fire t-shirts or caps and I was going to send you. And it's the one thing they do not have on that site. I need to find, I need you to send me the link for the Funko Pop that we, that you found. Yes, we need that. We need a, if you want to buy us a Funko Pop. I think I'm just going to buy them, buy us both one. Yes, sir. All right. I'm down for now. I'll put it on my desk. Yeah. So if you'll send me the link for that, I'll get that taken care of as well. Apparently, I think that dumpster fire is a meme. I'm not social media savvy. Well, let's find out. Hold on. I mean, I, just... I've spent like 25 years in the tech world, but I've uh, put myself off of social media as much as I can because it became too much of an idol. Let me just get the Google working here. D- no, that totally is a meme. It says, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything is yep. fine. Yep. Well, speaking of things that are fine, let's... uh. Why don't you tell us about that fine blacksmith merchandise and apparel from St. Galgano Armory. All right. So you guys looking for some fun gifts and, and exciting things for your friends and family? Well, let me tell you where you should look, my friends. How about checking out St. Galgano's Armory? It is the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces uh, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Galgano himself. Each work is a work of art, and it's crafted with care and attention to detail. Uh, they believe that quality and authenticity are paramount, and that's why they use only the finest materials and take pride in their uh, commitment to craftsmanship. The products are not only beautiful, but they're functional. Uh, we have them, we use them probably more than we should. I used mine just uh, prior to recording. <clears throat> See, see, they're they're it's functional, folks. Plus, a portion of all sales they go back into the community, different nonprofits, things of that sort. So, I'm going to ask you the question: Why settle for generic, mass-produced items when you can own something that's hand-forged and unique? So, Not visit them. That, veteran made. Veteran made. To, God bless the USA. We forget to notice that. Yeah. So uh, check them out, stgalganoarmory.etsy.com. And then you can check out their selection of handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They also have blacksmith apparel that I am anxiously awaiting when he gets Andy's eyes. I'm buying some for Christmas. That's, that's, That's our Christmas presents. Just blacksmith apparel shirts. It's going to be beautiful. She's a beaut, Clark. So, <laughs> so Chad, um, it is Christmas. It is is that time of year of perpetual hope. It's Advent and, and joy and and Advent and the Reformed and so, Baptist in me is it's Advent. I am celebrating Advent. So you um, have made fun of me. I have two Christmas trees up in my house, um, both of which were up before you would approve. Um. <laughs> Do you have a tree up, Chad? I do. It's a work in progress. It, it stood. We had a bear. I bought a tree, uh, a live tree, because I, I, I. It's not alive corrected. anymore. You killed it when they chopped it down. You tree I've killer. Been corrected. If I say real tree, you're like that fake tree is a real tree. 
Um, so uh, it sat in our house for quite a, a couple of days, <clears throat> but it had lights last night, and I put some ornaments up this morning, and it'll be done sometime, um, probably by the end of this week, but before Christmas. <laughs> Oh me. So are you gonna put Christmas lights up around your 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 living no. area? No. I'll put um I've got some I've got a fireplace. I have a real fireplace. I mean, of course. I mean I have a wood burning fireplace. I was about to say I have a real fireplace, Chad. Well, yes, because we know that you finally learned how to flip the switch. <laughs> finally learned how to flip the switch. I've turned that baby on a few times. But um I've got a I've got a man fireplace. Like I have to work to make fire in my house like a real man. Silence. I used to do a radio show. We are breaking the radio rule. Dead you feel better about yourself? Do you? No. You you can't tell me how to feel. You can't tell me what a real man is. Well, Lord knows. And we're canceled. Doesn't, doesn't and know what canceled. a real man is. <laughs> we are. Oh, it doesn't tell me how long we've been on. Anyway, uh, we are like 15 minutes in and canceled. <laughs> Again, but, uh, I've got a mantle, and so I'll hang some stockings, but I'm not going to do lights outside. So Dr. Wife went out of town Wednesday for work, and uh, my goal was for me and the boys to go and buy a bunch of inflatables for our front yard oh. um, and have them up today when she came home. Uh, but then, you know, that stinking first grade flu came through and wrecked all those plans, so... Well, I live in a condo, and I've got a really small patio. I don't really have an outside, but I remember um, way back, my youngest child bought an inflatable nativity scene from a garage sale, and we used to put that puppy up. Every I, year. Uh, and I still, I might go uh, tomorrow after work. I may see if Dr. Wife will pick up the kids, and then I'll just go to Menards and buy me, an, I may do an inflatable nativity. Um, what I really want is the Sasquatch that's carrying the carrying the Christmas tree. So my my father in law is a tall man, uh, and he's got this big burly beard and the hair, and he walks rather lankily like Sasquatch. And so I swore that our kids would call him Papa Sasquatch. You wanted them to. You didn't oh no! I yeah no! I wanted, wanted them, to, them to. And I've like I've I've offered to pay, uh, my kids and my niece, um, what I would think a kid would consider decent money, to call him Papa Sasquatch, and they won't do it. But I want to get it and hang it up, or you know, inflate it and send a picture and be like, "Look, Pop, you're in my front yard." But Ashley, your doctor wife thinks that'll be a uh, be a bad move. So I do have a tree up, and and I you know, and I I've learned, although reluctantly, I I redecorated the church last night, and so it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. So you know, funny thing is, my first Christmas pastor in in Indiana, um, I went away to Ohio and Canada for Thanksgiving. A horrible choice on your part. Well, I I went to go buy cigars and no, I just meant from the outcome, not because it was a bad choice, but the outcome was a horrible choice. We had about four or five ladies who were like, Well, we'll decorate the church. We want to, we always do it. I was like, Okay, sure. It's my first Christmas. I trust you. I come back to 
26 Santa Clauses in my sanctuary, not necessarily in the building. And I was like, absolutely not. These have to go. And those those uh, woodland creatures in San dressed as Santa Claus, like the fox and the snowman and the deer, nope, they've got to go too. <laughs> That's when you start shooting them all. And then I was, I was definitely the Grinch. Well, but, that's okay because on the, the one of the churches that I served in, they have, I believe, thirty-eight Christmas trees. Like it looks like the Great Northwest on the stage. Agape. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't realize they that, did that many Christmas trees. Well, and that's probably an exaggeration, but there were so many Christmas trees, like the praise oh, man didn't have anywhere to stand. Right. I do remember that there is a few it was, trees up. On it the was like the uh, you know a, a big Christmas tree forest up there. Like, like I, I thought we were like sure I really forest. thought we were selling them. I thought it was a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser for you. You were like, yes, as the youth pastor, we're gonna get some cash. But they're like, hey, uh, and the, you know, there was a big thing every year at that church. Every the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we'd stay after. They called it the hanging of the green. Yeah, and we did so, that last night. We did that. And so we would, uh, we you know, there'd be sandwiches and soups. And, and God love it. It was a good time. But man, like all of a sudden you're starting to pull out trees. And you're like, how many more do we have? And like, well, there's a few. And so there were like the 800 in the sanctuary. And then there was some uh, on the stage for the kids church. And there was there was one or two up in the youth room. And I really, I, I thought we were going to sell them. <laughs> Come on down to the Agape Christmas tree farm. You thought you were getting some money. Anyway, so when you think of Advent, Chadwick, what do you think of? Well, for me, I, I think Advent is um, today for me currently, I, I think it's a great opportunity for us as followers of Christ, those of us who, who follow, claim Christ as Lord. And pro, or rather, I should say, proclaim that Christ is Lord. Um, it's it's a time to ready our hearts, um, not only to celebrate the first coming of Christ, the first Advent, but to look forward to and do a really like a a heart check for the second coming of Christ when when that second Advent comes. So I think it's a great time to um, really pray. Um, it's a prayerful season. It's a repentance season, right? To to get my heart ready to celebrate um, that first that that first incarnation of Christ or the incarnation of Christ, and to look forward with with incredible hope um, for that second coming of Christ. No, I think I think that's it. I think that uh, you know it's a time to sit. You know, we we know that the first coming has happened, right? Um, there, there's evidence of it and there's you know and then we we go through the story every year um right and we and we i think every year. year ago sola scriptura scripture scripture is truth god's word is true and god's word says that jesus you know it was the incarnation that that cold winter's night two thousand years ago and so i know some who listen may not agree with sola scriptura Oh, I think but we, God, yeah, there's God's a few problems. So, and I think, yeah, we, we have to prepare our hearts. And I think part of that preparation is, is to remind us what happened so that we can be ready for the second coming. 
right? We know the first time the first time that he came in in peace uh, and humility. The second time, I don't I don't think it's going to be so peaceful and and humble. But that's neither here nor there. No, but it's uh, he's coming back and he's bringing violence. Yeah, vengeance will be his. Um, And again, there there are probably some people to listen to this that don't believe that. Um, and that's fine. You can be wrong, but I think this time of year, like I think all year, we should have hope in the gospel, right? I think all oh, year amen. we should be reminded and have hope in the gospel. But there, there's something about this time of year that the hope for the helpless or the hope for the hopeless, excuse me, is so much stronger. Mm. Um, because I think we see through small things big things can happen right this small infant you know stepping down from heaven he could have come as this king he could have come as whatever and he chose to come as as a baby oh yeah, let's, totally let's like totally helpless for a second right totally low, not just helpless but this lowborn king like like in filth like your nativity scene is way too clean compared to the reality of what he was born in. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't a clean stable in a barn. So have you, did you witness your, your oldest child's birth? Have I never told you that story? Well, I mean, just, you know, witnessing a birth, right. And we could save that for the paywall. Because I don't know if Dr. Wife wants that revealed. All I know is he came out purple with a cone head that Dan Aykroyd would be proud of. I mean, it's horrible, right? It's it's a oh, so it's think about that. Think about all the, I, I looked at the doctor and I said, I don't think he's done. Put him back. Yeah, you think about the the mess of childbirth in the first century <clears throat> in a place where it wasn't the barn, it was like it was the it barn was like a, for the barn. There's feces, there's flies. There's animals, there's filth. I mean, it's a it's a, it's amazing that any baby would survive that. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look at today's standards, like so let's go back to Terre Haute, okay? Um I so I have friends, there are two hospitals in Terre Haute. I don't know why a town the size of Terre Haute needed two hospitals, but it well, did. Well, and the beauty is one's public, one's private. Yeah. But uh so I have friends that work at both. Um, so I mean no I slight. I mean no slight at what I'm about to say, but I have people that when Dr. Wife was pregnant, they told us, don't you go to regional. You stay as far away from regional as possible. You and go I to chaplain, Union. I chaplained at Union. Um, that's funny because I chaplained at regional. Um, <laughs> Why are we friends? <laughs> And then, and then, so, you know, and then we're asking around, well, what do you think? Well, don't you go to Union? You stay as far away from Union. Mm-hmm. They're overpriced and they're this and they're that and they're just scummy and they have no bedside manner. You stay away from Union. And so we did what any good natured couple would do. Uh, we went to Union because it was closer to our house and it was cheaper. Well, I don't know about all that, but, but, uh, like, you, you think you, you think regional was bad in Terre Haute, or you think, I guess where I'm at now, like Ohio County Hospital, you know, you can't even, my sister was born in Ohio County. Now you can't even have babies in Ohio County. That's how low on the. You can't talk about that because God forbid 
if you've got to go to Ohio County Hospital, someone's going to listen to this episode and be like, oh, Andy Crow, he gets a toe tag. That's fine. That's fine. I'll see Jesus. It'll it'll be a glorious day. But like, you know, it, they make these places look like five-star resorts compared to, you know, and uh, really the the manger scene that we see on all of our Christmas cards and in people's yards and on all oh, these cartoons. Lovely. Beautiful. They're beautiful. They're five-star resorts compared to what happened. Yes. I mean, you were, it's, it's a cave under a house. You're in an open basement mm-hmm. with cow crap and stanky animals and you name it. And this, this, you know, right now, you think about it now, if you, you have a newborn, right? And somebody's like, oh, can I hold your baby? First thing you do is you reach in the bag and get the hand sanitizer. Right? People are coming, the wise men come in like, we're here to see Jesus. And they're like, well, step through the crap and get in there. Show me your, show me your vax card. Yeah, are you vaccinated? Can't see Jesus unless you're vaccinated. Oh, let's just... you know the, the beauty of that story. I know we're we're going to talk about hope, but even the Christmas story. When you think about the angels first declared a first announcement of the the birth of that baby, the incarnation of Christ is to shepherds. And shepherds, the only thing lower than a shepherd in in the age of antiquity, first century culture, was a leper. I mean, shepherds were so like a woman was not allowed to give testimony in court, but a man could go to court and give that woman's testimony. A shepherd's testimony would never be taken. They were not trusted. They were despised. Um, And it's just such a it's such a beautiful. uh, Diorama, is that the word I'm thinking of? It's a beautiful picture of the future of the church. Yeah, um. And, you know, the pastors now are referred to as Jesus referred to himself as a shepherd. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with that, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put this in here. What do you call a a German pastor? I don't know. A German shepherd. (laughs) No. So friend of the show, Roger Bear. (laughs) I thought of him when I read that day. But yeah, so. uh I, I, there's just something about this season that, yeah, we should have hope all year in the gospel. We should have hope all all year in Christ. But that baby was helpless, mm. you know. Right? Christ came mm. in as a as a helpless being, mm. and and rose out of all that to become who he is. I mean, the truth is, I'm not trying to be facetious, right? But we know this. Like he he's fully man, fully God. He could have come the incarnation of Christ. He could have been seven feet tall, shoot laser beams from his eyes and eradicate the entire world. All his enemies. Hey, and that's a pretty cool Jesus to think about because you know, he's probably got a tuxedo shirt on. (laughs) But But anyway, the most worthless thing. I mean, I'm not, don't hear me wrong. Babies are not worthless, but they were absolutely helpless. Like they can't, they can't do God, anything. God had to have his diaper changed. God had to be breastfed. God had to be birthed. God had to be taught how to read. He had to taught be taught how to write. He had to be taught how to how walk. To function as a the human man. Being. The man who walked on water. Amen. Someone Amen. had to teach him how to walk. Oh, that's a good word, brother. Preach it. 
Like, think about that for a second. He could walk on water. And not only could he walk on water when his annoying friend, who is a smart aleck, and was like, well, I want to do it. Or he let brothers, him walk on water. His younger brothers who, like, imagine being James or Jude and be like, I don't want to make my bed. And Jesus' bed is like military corners before military corners existed. Right? Jesus is never in trouble. Why do you have to be the perfect son? I think about this. I use this as a as a, a sermon point once as like, you know, I know I'm dating myself, but if you've seen the Brady Bunch and I think it was Jan is like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yes, James yes. is like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> the first one to take the Lord's <laughs> name in because his brother would never get in trouble. You hear you hear Mary just but why can't you be more like Jesus? And James like, Jesus, what are you doing? Stop. They it. go to school. They go to school and they're like, Oh, you're not like Jesus at all. <laughs> I yeah, expected Jesus, more from you. Jesus did his homework. <laughs> you know, that was a tough gig being one of Jesus' siblings, but um, hey, uh, no, hey, James, are, word, are, James, are you going to pay the, the bill? Hey, no. Jesus said he paid it all. Amen. But no, Amen. like, you know, the very the very man who walked on water had to be shown how to walk. Yeah, that's a good word, brother. I, you just, that puts a lot into perspective. And if that it doesn't does. give you hope, I don't know what I mean, does. That's equally hopeful and convicted. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, I think we, at this time, right, when you go to Advent, the four Sundays before Christmas, right, hope, peace, love, <clears> and joy, this first one being hope. And I think a, a verse that comes to mind, a, a traditional Advent verse, right? Jeremiah 33, 16. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. You know, and I sussed this out, this verse tonight with a, a group of folks that are under 30 with a small group that I have. And, and it was really sad because none of them have hope i mean aside from the ones that are believers that have hope in christ like none of them see the world like i think of myself at like you know the youngest one is about 20 the oldest one is 30 and when i was in an age range i knew there was issues in the world but i never saw the world as as dark bleak and hopeless and they all see the world as dark bleak and hopeless um and so and I, I truly think that well, and let's you, let's be honest. If you take Jesus out of the equation, Amen. It very much is a cold, dark, and hopeless world. And think of that world. Think of a world without Jesus. Like, what does that look like? Well, have you seen the United States here of late? Have you seen the Middle East here of late? And, and so, like, <laughs> you know, the past few months, you know, and and I, I I've preached Advent for for many years now and and we're going to go through advent um uh this this coming sunday we'll start advent and i'll really going to preach on um basically mary's song the magnificate and and really think about um instead of all the nonsense that we we bought into for secular christmas what if we this first week what if we worship jesus holy and not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, right? What if we worship Jesus with our whole heart? 
And the, the past few months, like I think of this as not a traditional Advent or Christmas verse, but I think the greatest verse of hope in the Bible is in Revelation 5. And, you know, in Revelation 5, like John the baptizer, I'm sorry, John the revelator, I am a pastor. Words are hard, folks. <laughs> We're English. I'm trying to keep my tribe. Baptists rule. Y'all drool, right? <laughs> um, but John the Revelator, right? He <clears throat> he literally writes that he began that he wept. He wept because there was no one worthy to open the scroll or to even look into it, right? And the scroll, <laughs> the scroll could re represent a number of things, but ultimately it's God's covenant and what's going to happen when everything revolves around the unsealing of that scroll. And in verse, um, I think it's in verse nine, uh, it was the heavenly host saying a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Right. So like this whole thing of, of that we need to have black church, white church, Asian church, gay church, women church. Like, they're, they're, that's all a lie. Like, the church, there is no race, right? There's a human race. Say it and again. It clearly says in scripture that because he was slain, that he ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Right, so that this whole concept of, I don't know, just the struggle that seems to be going on and, and the deconstruction, you know, I, I, <laughs> those folks who have deconstructed are now trying to deconstruct the churches and silo everything. But there's no hope without Jesus. And the only hope is that Jesus is the only one to open the scroll. And Jesus literally, like they just said in Revelation 5, that there is no one. And Jesus is like, Yo, bro, wait up. And takes the scroll from his father, or the father ordains it. And he's the only one to open it. And that, Absolutely. that's given me so much hope. And and you know, and and one day, one day we'll have a very special episode of the Hillbilly and the Hipster. And maybe I'll just break down and all the things I've gone through over the last four or five years. Right. But in that time period. This has given me incredible hope, even though I've read this verse time and time again. And this is the first time that I've I've really had the stones to preach on it, right? I'm, I'm currently preaching through Revelation, and it's something I've avoided throughout my time in ministry. Um, it's just given me so much incredible hope. No, absolutely. I don't know what else to add to, to that, but I stole your thunder. No, well, sometimes somebody needs to. It's all right. We could fill it with Anchorman and Die Hard references. Well, I want a rabbit trail, and and while this is going to sound not serious, it is it is somewhat serious. Um, so you were talking about, you know, you're preaching this week on on the magnificent Mary's song and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Um, and my head immediately went to and and please don't talk for a second. Just listen to me. It's hard for me to do. I understand it. Me too, but just please. I need to give no. you a uh, host right so you can mute me. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So my head immediately went to the song "Mary, Did You Know." 
Oh, dear Lord, why see, did you go there? See, see now, I ask you not to talk. And I just need you to have a little faith in me, okay? Yes, sir. Have a little faith in me. All right. So, we were driving back from Florida. The song came on. Oh, it's dear. a beautiful song. It is not. The music is beautiful. Maybe. But I become angry. Like the first couple notes hit and I'm like, oh, beautiful. And the first time that man says, Mary, did you know? I become, I become this like furious individual. And I just want to scream. I just want to scream. Yes, she knew you idiot. Amen. She, Amen. That her baby boy would, would save our sons and daughters. Absolutely, the angels told her. When you kiss well, the face of Jesus, you've kissed the face of God. Absolutely, she knew. Well, let's break this down. It, it's told in Luke 1, 26-35. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And that is the answer to Mary. Did you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I've had people over the last couple of years because I do, I get, I get, I, I get upset. Sorry, I was supposed to not talk, but I couldn't do it. You were, you, you it's ran that, it for it's me. It's that old meme of like Batman slapping Robin. I think. Robin yes. Mary, did you know? And Batman's like, bam. Yes, she knew. And like, well, it's just a way of explaining things. And it's, you know, you almost have to wonder, but you don't have to wonder. You have so, a book. So time out. That's the problem we're in, is these prissy pastors who dance around the issues and they're like, well, it's it's an okay to look, it's an okay way to look at it. It Theology matters. Not to certain tribes. Theology matters. I I may have taken that too far. Theology matters. That's all I'm going to say. Christ is Lord and theology matters. So yeah, um, my head immediately went to Mary. Did you know? And I just wanted to scream, "Yes, yes, she I knew." And there's and and you know what? You know what? To to tie that up in a bow and put it back, there was hope in that because Mary had hope that her son, the Son of God, would save us from our sins. Oh, amen. And would make all things new. And that one day, I don't think she knew quite the, you know, I don't think she foresaw the crucifixion um, and all that. But I think 
she may not have seen the severity of it or but i, I but i think she understood the gravity of it well i think she knew scripture i mean for, for a 16 year old woman um for well, any uh, woman for, for any jewish woman to know as to be as theologically deep as she she was i think and and granted i'm going to say this um for my Catholic brothers and sisters, like I love you, but Mary worship is not biblical. Yeah. And and I think for my Protestant brothers, particularly from my tribe, from the Baptists, shoving her under the rug is not biblical. No. Like we need to show her praise, but not worship her. And I think she was theologically sound and i think that magnificent right still in luke um in luke 1 you know in 46 start in verse 46 right she she sings that song like she goes to see her old cousin who she's not seen forever pregnant with john the baptizer and she's like my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant like those opening lines like the entire song just drips of gospel. And so I, I think that for for brothers in my tribe, we don't give her enough credit. No, absolutely not. I mean, this um, is a this is a young woman. This is a girl who's who's facing death. You know, because I, I mean she she's for all intents and purposes in her in her community, she's a whore. They're gonna yeah. Oh her. yeah, absolutely. And I and you know Joseph, he didn't he didn't want the drama. You know he was trying to figure out a way to to secretly send her off where it didn't but bring any more shame right on her. Right. Yeah, he, he wanted to he wanted to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but like he you know how do you send her off properly and where it doesn't bring shame on her and her family and uh, and realistically there was no there was no proper way to do it and he. You know, and and let's. I think one of the hardest things for a man is to be a dad to somebody who's not your your biological kid, right? Yeah. So I think I, I look back at how I was as a kid. Now, me and my my dad type person, we didn't have the greatest relationship. There were there were uh, things that blocked that, and that's for a whole other episode. Um, yeah, we're in I've, got a, that, I've got that same story. We uh we are in a, a much better better place now. Um but growing up, I was not an easy kid to to love and to <clears throat> not an easy kid to love and to want to be a part of raising. Like I that's all that matters is I love you. Right. I mean I openly tried to sabotage their 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 you know their marriage. You were you were in that office episode where they showed a flashbacks with Michael Scott at his yeah. Well, I mean, it was to the point that the I don't even know why, but like the pastor at their wedding was like, "Does anybody have any objections?" And I tried to stand up, and my grandmother grabbed me by the ear and yanked me down. So now I have visions of Bobby Hill at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I I gave mom away and like. I was supposed, you know, the pastor was like, who gives this woman? And I was supposed to say my sister and I. Mm-hmm. 
And he goes, uh, who gives this woman? And I go, the family. <laughs> How old he, are you? I was in sixth grade, seventh so grade. 12 to 13. Yeah. Right I was now. just coming into my horrid years. Um, God, I was not. not They're a, coming. They're coming soon. I know. Right I, and, you know, I, I reap what I sow, I guess. But I'm hoping that, you know, T loves me a little more. But, um, I, I mean, like, we had this thing at school called Me and My Shadow Day. Mm. And your parent would come to school with you, and they'd go through a normal school day. Like, if we were taking a spelling test that day, your they parent took the spelling test. And it was oh, always cool because awesome. there, was, there was always one dad that came, right? Everybody's mom would come, and that one <laughs> dad the came. one dad. And the one dad, and they're like, I, you know, spelled this word, and you can see the look of terror in his face. Like all the moms, and moms are writing in perfect cursive, and the kid, like the kids are like, oh, me and my mom got this, and that one kid who brought his dad, they're both like, what do we do? Well, the error that you grew the up the with, word is turtle, and dad is like, I don't. What'd you get for two? What what'd you get for number two? And like, it's not a math test, Bill. Come on. But also like the. Where you grew up in that time frame, the dad who showed up on the on the one side, he was either law enforcement or a firefighter or something where he worked night shift. Chances are he was probably unemployed. Well, it's funny you bring that up because in seventh grade, my first year of middle school, so my mom had always come to me in my shadow day. And something happened where, where Bobbert was in between jobs or something like that. And so in seventh grade, instead of Mom coming, which I wanted her to, because I was right. I was a mama's boy. What? Um, uh, for for a little bit of time, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm back to one now. But uh, she was like, "Oh, Rob's gonna come," and I was like, "I don't want Rob to come. I just won't have a parent. It'll be okay. I'll be an orphan. I'll not be the only one. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't have been. But no, like, ma, no way." <laughs> Mom, mom made this big to do, so Rob came, and it was it was fourth period, right? And so we go around, and we're in science, and Miss Bitters, who was old as I think Moses was her first student, this woman caught her hair on fire in class. Okay, and like I, the I, the second week kept, of school, she kept teaching, right? She, she didn't realize it at first until we started throwing stuff at. But anyway, we're going through. Catch, how did her hair catch fire? Okay, so we'll rabbit hole. She was trying to explain to us the difference between flame retardant gloves and heat resistant gloves. Nobody knows the difference to that. And so, and you know, she was of a certain age that if you didn't use a half a can of Aquanet in your hair, it wasn't your hair, right? And so she takes the glove that she thinks by prom date is flame retardant and puts it on, and it's going to show us. The, that it won't catch on fire. Well, she grabs the heat resistant glove and shoves it over the burner and it catches on fire. And she starts flapping. And in the process of flapping, her hair just goes. It was beautiful. Like we, oh man. Anyway, I, I'm sure that Clark. she's, I'm sure that she's passed because she was, old, but God, Miss Bitters was awesome. But anyway, so like all the students are going around introducing their, their parental unit, right? And I don't raise my hand because my parental unit's there. Because one, I said in the first row, if you couldn't see, like, Rob has been gray since he graduated high school. Yeah, I learned that this week. 
there is a fully gray-haired man sitting in the front row. If you think he's just another seventh grader, there's an issue there. And then so we go on, and then Miss Beer stops. She's like, oh, Andy, who's this? And instead of going, oh, this is my stepdad, Rob, or oh, this is my dad-type person, Rob, I go, this is my mom's husband, Rob. And she's like, oh, so your dad. And I was like, did I say my dad? No, this is my mom's husband, Rob. Um, and that that explains. Oh. I, I don't remember. Oh, so I, now I know where I was going with this. Did, I got sidetracked. Did Rob, did Rob whoop your butt in the spelling test? No, we didn't have a spelling test, but we did. We did have to do something with like long division or I don't know some kind of like where you have to solve for x. Oh, and I'm pretty sure by the time you were in school, I couldn't do your math. It was new, new math. Yeah, and now there's new, new, new math. But yeah, like so, I oh, I yeah. owned I owned Rob in the math thing. It was my youngest um, child when I'd help with their math homework. Um, but like the the best thing about it was I got to leave early that day. Like after lunch hit, like you could go home and you were counted full day. You didn't get to oh, really? you know, yeah. What kind of scam was this? It was me and my shadow day, man. Me and my shadow day. And so Rob had a sister or has a sister who's eleven months older than me. And so she and was, you. you know, yeah. So um she was in eighth grade. I was in seventh grade. And she was like, Rob, can you sign me out too? And Rob Did was you like, go to school together? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's kind of weird. You have no idea. I have so many stories, but I can't tell you on here. But anyway, what I'm getting but, at with this hey, is one of the hardest. support that paywall. One of the, the hardest things for a man to do is to, to be a dad for somebody who yeah. you're not their dad. Yeah, because and, 90% yeah. of the time, they're going to let you know yeah. whether you've adopted, whether you're fostering, whether you're a step parent, they're going to let you know. Like, And I told Rob numerous times, like, hey, you're not my dad, dude. Stop trying. And so, like, Joseph, instead of sending, even though we wanted to at first, instead of sending Mary away, and there's not a lot that we know about Joseph, especially after, um, after the birth but we know that he was there, right? We know that he he stood in and and became an earthly dad. Well, we know he was there because like there's the point, and I, I can't remember which gospel it's in when they're like, "Isn't this the carpenter's son?" Yeah. Not only did he step up and become the dad, he he trained Jesus in a in a trade, in a trade that was his that his father probably showed to him. Um, one of the coolest videos I think I've ever seen. Um, it's a skid guy video. <clears throat> and it's not one of their funny ones. It's it was uh, it was part of a study I did, and the guy that was playing Joseph was like, you know, everybody wondered how I was going to act and how I was going to handle this and that. And he goes, "Well, I took that baby and I laid it across my knee, and in the culture in that time, mm-hmm. to signify that this is my kid, you as a father went and took that baby and you laid it across your knee and you held it." That was a way of, you know, during the birth process of saying like, yeah, this is mine. There's no worries there. And so, you know, Joseph did just that. He would have went and took Jesus and and laid him across his lap. He was there through all of the, you know, the the dumb kid moments of the first steps and the first words, which were probably some full-on sentence on how we should stop sinning but and then you know i i think 
the fear that he must have felt when they're like, uh, you know, as they're walking back from the Sabbath and they look and I still don't know how this happens. Like the perfect family can't even be perfect. Right. Like, uh, you know, Mary, you know, church was good today. What'd you think? Well, you know, pastor went a little long, but Hey, um, I know we're a couple hours down the road, but where's Jesus? Right. The fear, yeah. because I have turned around in Walmart and my child not been right beside me and oh, yeah. freaked all the way out. I did and, it you at know, the zoo we, and ticked off a bunch of yuppie hipster moms when I yelled at him, get over here. Well, I mean, you know, you know, you know, my youngest and the, the yeah. lack of fear, like he'll just go get in somebody's car and be like, you look fun. Let's go for a ride. Like, well, so I, I'll admit when I was out there not too long ago, right. He literally disappeared because he went home with dr wife and i turned around for a second and he was gone and oh i, I panicked like, i've never been so mad in my life inside. i've I'm never like, been oh, so mad in my life you had one job chad <laughs> and but I like failed. and I so actually kidnap him not only not only was you know did joseph freak out because they couldn't find jesus but when they found him and he's like um you know you can, essentially what are you doing you can't do this you can't you have to come with us. And then Jesus in the most Jesus smart alecky way ever was like, don't you know, I was at my father's house doing the business. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, don't talk back to me. Don't sass me. That was, that was the Jesus. You're not my dad moment, but Joseph stayed. Yeah. And he loved and he cared because and, that's what needed to happen. And we know that, that Jesus the man honored him because at the cross, when he tells John the revelator, this is your mom, right? And then this is your son. Had Joseph been alive, that had been the most disrespectful thing he could have done at that point in time. And so he honored his father. He honored his mother by making sure she was protected and taken care of. And history tells us, while this might not be in scripture, history tells us, Mary lived with John till the end of her days. Mm -hmm. He took care of her. Yeah. And and I'll admit those those that's a good word because like I I failed as a step parent. You know, I think one of my biggest regrets in life is with my um we'll just let the cat out of the bag now. <laughs> with my ex-wife, you know, being in that relationship early on with a a nine or 10 year old who I wasn't their father. And, and the only father figure I had had was a, a stepfather who I thought was a horrible person when I was younger. And I, I realized as I grew older and he grew older um, that he did the best he dang well could um, with the resources that he had and the knowledge that he had. And, and I, I felt miserably. I think that's a hard revelation that especially men come to is you know our, your, your dad our dads did the best they could with what they had mm -hmm. and i you know and I'll, I'll admit i it's it's something that i struggle with with relationships anyway is that i have expectations um i really struggle with shades of gray i'm very black and white and part of it is is i think the environment i grew up in the, the region of the country i grew up in my neighborhood all those excuses dr wife would call that trauma you know, I'm not going to disagree with her. I, I've suffered trauma. Like, I've been diagnosed with PTSD because of my childhood. But 
in all honesty, it should not define me. I'm no, no, I'm, I got you. And, I'm with you. I can't, I can't fall back on that. But, you know, and, and at some point I have to be man enough and strong enough to learn from those mistakes and what I was taught. And, and I feel that I have, and I'm, you know, but I, I do regret um, just not being as nurturing as I, I probably should have been and could have been. Um, and it, and his father was in his life, you know, so it wasn't like I was the only father figure, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Full confess. Yeah. If we're back to the confession episode, that's my, that's one of my largest regrets in life is how I treated my. Uh, well, and so I, I look at my life as a dad. So I've got, I've got our oldest, you know, and then we adopted our youngest. And before we had either one of them, uh, we were foster parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had three kids. Uh, went to bed with none, woke up with two, and then on my way to work, they're like, oh, wait, there's a third. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the hardest experiences of my life. And it was then I realized, um, and even with my kids now, there's a certain age between five and about eight that I am incredibly hard as a dad because my expectations of how I think they should act never quite are how they act. And that age um, of boy, that age of boy is like the one thing that was a surprise to me is the ultimate, like, why the heck are you crying? Oh yeah. And now, you know, I'll be like, stop crying. And now Dr. Wise like, don't tell him not to cry. Yeah. I, I, I literally, I realize as I've gotten older and have developed and fostered a relationship with my with my father, um, I am my father, even though I had no influence of him in my influential yeah. influential years. But I am so, also yeah. my stepfather because those were my influential years. And as much as I abhorred him in those teenage and early twenties and stuff like that, like I I have absorbed so much of him. Yeah. So I uh there are some similarities between me and my dad um, that I, I saw in the five years that four or five yeah, years yeah. we got to have I, a relationship. I, I am my dad um, with a, just a different accent. I was, I was blessed enough to have my grandfather and my uncle. Oh, amen. To play the primary father role for me. Um, and it was beautiful because in both those cases, like you had solid men. Oh, absolutely. That, that I, I couldn't have asked for better role models. And, and not even just not taking that away from your stepdad. Um, but like, you know, that but the fact that you were gonna buck up against your stepdad, the fact that you had solid men to fall back on is a is a huge blessing. Well, and whether and, and the the great part looking back, whether I was wrong or right in my opinions, uh, because I think I was both looking back wrong. now. Going I think you were wrong. I was wrong. You were wrong. But in certain aspects, I think I was right. Sure. But mostly I was wrong. Um, Papa and Donnie were real quick to be like, you got to you got to learn some grace. Mm. You got to learn to to stop being angry. Amen. Um, And so I think. uh, Jesus was there for Joseph. Joseph was there for Jesus in that way. We, right, <laughs> he he needed that, and he had it through the through the father. But I think Joseph was there to do the things that, as a young young boy, we we needed. We needed somebody to teach us how to 
a trade. We needed somebody to teach us how to, you know, build a table or a birdhouse or whatever. When I, and when I say this, I am not, I am not, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Like I'm not saying that the father wasn't there, but Joseph did the hard work. Joseph did the heavy lifting. He did the dirty work. And he did it with a smile on his face. Amen. Saying, saying, that's my boy. And I, I know that. That's that my boy. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. I know that we have rabbit hold on this episode. Now I'm going to go ahead and bring us home. It's a good time. Um, so because you may think cry talking about all these father issues, right? I got daddy issues for days, man. So here, here's the deal. You may be sitting there right now thinking about making me a blanket, Melinda. Um, or (laughs) you may be dropping down the road thinking, what kind of blanket? How big? Well, I'm pretty fat, but anyway, uh, so you may be thinking to yourself, self, we started off talking about hope and pie. Um, and, and we've ended up talking about dads. How, how do those connect? Well, I'm, let me tell you real quick how they connect. Joseph, just like we have hope in the gospel, right? We have hope that the one who walked on water needed to be taught how to walk. And yet he's going to teach us how to walk in his, his light. Um, how does that relate to the dad? Well, Joseph had hope that he could help mold the 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 bottom the the in the incarnate version of of God that he would have a hand in raising him and being able to put earthly values in him that he would need mm. right the buck just didn't stop with oh our savior's born and we'll let him figure it out because that could have happened oh and and for so many even to this day it has Right. So there's hope that it may not be your child, but you can influence that child to have an impact on the world. Mm. Right. There's hope that the influence that you have, whether it's on a child, whether it's on a coworker, whether it's on the guy that is panhandling on the, on the street corner, there's hope for them that goes past. Do what? You don't know my panhandlers out here in East San Francisco. So, but there, there's hope beyond the situation that we're in, yeah. right? My clients at work, there's hope beyond their situation. Amen. The people that walk through your church doors, there's hope beyond their life. Every tribe, nation, and tongue. The people that that are calling for the the dismantling of the church. There's hope for them, maybe. You know, this is going to be a little rabbit hole, but all those people calling for the dismantling of the church that call for like a, a resurrection of house churches, they do realize that house churches become churches, right? If they're thriving. We don't want to talk about that. Okay. They don't want to hear that. But there's hope, right? There's hope for the helpless there's hope for the hopeless there's hope for those who know jesus christ amen and for those of 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 you who are listening that don't know jesus christ and for those people who are in your life that don't know jesus christ let me take the opportunity to introduce you to him amen brother right 
find an opportunity to introduce somebody to Jesus. Take the time to be like, let me let me tell you about my Savior. This this all powerful, all loving, all knowing God humbled Himself to step out of heaven and to come down as a helpless baby mm. in a crap field hole in the wall. Say it. Say it. Come out of the muck, come out of the mire as a happy-go-lucky kid who probably tormented his brothers because he was the perfect child. You think Jesus got away with murder with his brothers? I I like to think he did. did it, he pushed the boundaries to where it wasn't. He never he never sinned, but I bet he came close. And so and then became a teenager who learned to trade and became a carpenter himself because he didn't start ministry until he was 30. Mm. So at some point he had to make a living. Mm-hmm. And so he becomes this carpenter and all the while living this example of who God is and God's love. And then at the age of 30 gets 12 misfits that really were should have been cast off. And he turns them into these, these disciples and these apostles. And he, he teaches them hope. He teaches them that the world doesn't end when we die, that if we follow him, that there is an everlasting life, that he's going to go, and and, and then this goes beyond Christmas, right? But he's going to go to a a cross, and he's going to hang on that cross in between two thieves who openly mock him. And then he tells one of them, hey, why don't you come with me? Right. And then he comes, he raises in three days after death. And he tells, he tells the apostles, Hey, I'm going to go build a house and I'm going to come back for you when it's done. There's hope. There's hope in that because while we're waiting for things to be done, we have a job to do. And as long as we are faithful in doing that and we are faithful in following Christ, that when he returns, with violence, that violence will not, and vengeance that will not be against us, but it will be on our behalf, and that will one day we will walk down the streets with Jesus. Amen. That's there's hope in gold, brother. There's hope in that. Mm. That is why we say this is a season of perpetual hope. People will say, "Well, well, Christmas is a season of perpetual hope because it, we should just all be better people." No, forget that. Christmas is a season of perpetual hope because Jesus perpetually shows us that he loves us and that he's going to provide for us. You know, that's a that's a good word, Pastor Andy, because I was going to ask you, like, hey, what are you hopeful for this year? But in all honesty, that's just a bunch of bovine fecality because the only hope is Jesus. That's what I'm hopeful for. I'm hopeful that Jesus is going to grab my heart and he's going to twist it and he's going to turn it and he's going to contort it to where it unhardens and softens towards those that it needs to be softened to. Mm. That I will be able to love my neighbor as myself, share the love of Christ with them, whether I say it in words or I do it in deed, so that their hearts will be softened to know the good news of Jesus, so that one day when I'm walking down the streets of gold, I can look up and go, hey, I, I know you. Hmm. Because I think one of the coolest things we that could happen 
and I, I really can't wait to do it too. After you know, I think one of the first things I'm going to do after I get done talking, or at least I would like to think that I would, when I get done, like just openly weeping and worshiping. Mm. Um, and I know I'll never be done with that, but you know what I mean is walk up to the first person that shared the gospel with me and be like, man, I just want to thank you. Oh man. I just want to thank you for, for planting a seed. That's a good word because brother, I don't know her name. You don't need to know her name. No, I don't know her. No, I'm just saying. And I, and I, you have no idea as I've grown older, how much think about that she was she was a girl i mean she was 15 16 17 years old at the time and i think about her just about every day so there there's a man i'm I'm still i'm still friends with him and i, I use the word friend loosely here uh his name is kevin spencer he was my first quote-unquote youth pastor he's never ordained but he was a youth leader at our church mm. until some things happened um and and so let's go back with the confessional, right? I went to church as a kid to get out of being at home. Sure. I didn't want to be at home. Um, and so I, I was like, well, I'll start going to youth group so I don't have to be at home. And I literally, I didn't want to, I didn't want to play the games. I didn't want to listen. I just didn't want to be at home. It's because you were a closet Calvinist as a child. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so, I remember listening to Ken. I, I hate so I don't like to read out loud. I, I was a horrible reader. I have a learning disability. Um, Kevin was like, "Candy, read these verses." And I panicked, and I was like, "I'm not reading." I got mad, and he was like, "All right, I won't call on you, but just remember, I don't think it was easy when Christ died. Oh, but he sure did it. Oh." And he goes, Neil, I wouldn't ask you to read this verse if I didn't think you didn't need it in your life and you didn't need to hold on to it. Amen, Kevin. And that that has stuck with me. I was in sixth grade when I was told that. That would have been fall of 98, summer of 99, spring of 99. I couldn't tell you exactly. Well, I was saved in January of 99. Mm. So that would have happened somewhere in the fall of, of 98. And that stuck with me, dude. Do you think it was easy? Do you think it was you think it was for easy for Jesus to to be bludgeoned? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to put his hands on the wood and have spikes driven through them? No, but he sure did it for you. So I can't wait to you know, and I could probably call Kevin tomorrow and be like, hey, um, you know, I'd like to thank you. But I, you know, I just like to think that when I get to heaven. I'm going to walk up to Kevin Spencer and be like, dude, thank you. Thank you. Look where I'm yeah. at. Look where I came from. Thank I'm you. Gonna, That's my hope. I'm going to, I'm going to, and, and selfishly, blue eyed girl. And, and selfishly, I, you know, I, I would hope that maybe somebody comes up to me. Mm. Um, oh. You know, I, I never assume, mm. but I would, I would love, I, I hope that I can be that for somebody. Mm. Because I just, there's nothing better than finding Jesus. So the happiest moments in my Christian walk were one, when I, when I, when I finally accepted Christ, right? Uh, Two, when my, watching my, my oldest son accept Christ and be able to, to dunk him. Oh, praise God, man. And I, and a cow pastor. I was there. I was, 
that was one of the hardest and most beautiful things I've ever done. But I think watching somebody that you have poured into give themselves to Christ, that feeling doesn't doesn't get any better, man. Mm. So there's where my hope is. Yeah. You know, I, I'm hopeful I, I, I get to baptize a young woman this Christmas day on her birthday um, because she wants to finally make that public declaration before she gets married later in the year. And ultimately, those are those are the good gifts that God gives us as men, as family leaders, as as pastors, as under shepherds of churches. But no, that's a good word, man. And I just I pray yeah. for for more Kevins. Absolutely. We need more Kevins. They so, don't need seminary degrees. We need more Kevins. Yep. Yeah, so Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, I know yeah. we went long. I know we rambled, um, but really, it's I think the most, dumpster fire. But it's, it is the it's dump- for a good cause. But I, I think I think that what the the points that we hit were pretty valid. Mm. Um, so thanks for sticking around with us. Uh, and as you go through this Advent season, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and end it. Um, you know, check out Keith at St. Galgano's Armory, Armory dot Etsy dot com. Check them there out. You go. I know we didn't um, drop it in the uh, in the actual plug, but yeah, St. Galgano Armory.etsy.com. I most certainly did drop it in the promo, so don't come at me, sir. You can hit I him up. Read it. Look, look at his pictures on on Instagram. St. underscore Galgano underscore Armory. My man does good work. My man yes. does good work. But and that's well, I was just gonna say if you're giving gifts this Christmas, why don't you just Check it out. Give something unique, hand forged, veteran made, um, gospel saturated. Absolutely, it does good work. Everything's prayed over. Um, but going back to my point, um, as I as I end us here, as you're thinking, what is it that you have to be hopeful in this season? Mm. Um, I hope the only thing that you have to be hopeful for is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Because there's, you know, uh, no no new toy, no new book, no gift under the tree can give you the hope that Christ's blood can give you. Amen. So let that be your hope this season. And until next week, we love you. Yeah. Where's the record button to stop it? (laughs) 